Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. My name is Caden. I'm from New Mexico, like Nate said. Um, before we get started, just bought, we're going to do an honesty survey. How many of you knew that New Mexico was a part of the U.S. before I just said it? <laughs> Um, so some of you, that's news to you, um, and that black hole that was in your brain, like underneath Colorado, between like Arizona, Utah, that's New Mexico. Um, it's very dry. Um, it's uh, incredibly dry, in fact, and for the past like four days, I've been drowning in humidity. Um, I didn't know that, it, I knew it was humid. Been to Dallas, spent a summer in Dallas. Um, y'all, it's humid here. Like, I, when I say I've been drowning for the last few days, I, I'm, I'm not joking with you. So I wanted to play a game really quickly. Um, please don't pull out your phone and cheat. But um, I'm going to look at the humidity percentage in New Mexico, in Albuquerque, where I'm from. And I just want you to guess what it is. So just put up your hand. I'll call on you, uh, and, and I'll take your guess. Okay, right there in the middle. Zero. It's not zero. It's close. Right there, right behind him. Higher than 5%. It's 9%. Bro, you're quick with it. It's exactly 9%. I'm not even lying. Look at that. 9% humidity. Um, what, and, and does anybody have the weather app up? Anyone ready to cheat? No? Nobody was ready to cheat? Okay, let's look at the humidity percentage here really quickly. It's 75%, guys. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 70, so I, I'm in a new world here. Um, I'm just getting used to all the water in the air, on the ground, all that stuff. Um, but thank you for having me here. It's such an honor to be here um, and to share God's word with you tonight. Um, that New Mexico illustration has nothing to do with my message. Um, so if you're waiting for like a really smooth transition, I'm sorry. That wasn't going to happen. But we're going to be jumping into our message for tonight. And our title for tonight is Real Relationship. Can you say Real Relationship? I made it rhyme super nice so that you could say it and it would be fun to say. Real Relationship is our title for tonight. Um, and we're going to be talking, Peter writes a letter, 1 Peter. We're going to be reading in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to be talking about how we can have real relationship. And we're going to get some advice, some godly advice from Peter to a church that's undergoing stress, pressure, the threat of death and torture. And we're going to learn how to have real relationship in stressful times. Let's pray first. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for this group in Vero Beach, Lord, um, I just thank you for, the, for every single person in this room, God. They're here for a reason. You saw their whole story from beginning until they walked through the doors tonight. And you know exactly what you want to say to them, Father. So I pray that you would remove me, you would remove leaders, you'd remove anybody out of the way so that your voice, your word would just go out clearly tonight, Father. I pray that your word would be the thing we listen to, that your Holy Spirit would just speak so powerfully to each of us tonight. Through your word, Jesus, in your name, amen. So when you were younger, did you ever say or do anything super embarrassing? If your hand isn't up, you're lying. Because we we all been there, right? We've all done that. We've all said or did something embarrassing when we were really little. Um, so I did some statistical research on an interesting thing. So I said stats, just buckle up with me really quickly. Um, it's going to be quick. We're not going to stay long in the stats. I know you're off school. Uh, but I did some statistical research because... I had a friend who, when they were really little, ate dirt, and that just, like, blew my mind. Um, But kids, when they're really little, they do things they shouldn't do. Um, So I did some research on dirt eating. Between one, I know, it's a funny thing to say, but I did. Between one in ten, or three in ten, little kids, toddlers, will eat dirt. Now look around the room. 
there's, there's more than 10 of us in this room. So odds are either 10% of us or 30% of us ate dirt as a kid. Anyone brave enough to just be like, that was me? Come on, give it up for the dirt eaters in the room. Hey, Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. He's forgiven you. You don't need to eat dirt anymore. He's given you a new life. Just kidding. It, but, not, but not. But really, all the stuff about Jesus is true. Just please don't eat dirt anymore. Um, so there are behaviors that we have when we're kids, when we're young, when we're immature, that aren't okay to have when we're adults, right? There's things that we need to grow out of from a young age and grow into as we mature. And part of growing up is dropping dangerous habits, negative habits, and behavior. It's just part of maturing. It's what we do as human beings. And so tonight, we're going to read, like I said, some guidelines that Peter gives to a church that's being persecuted. This church is under the threat of death and torture because of what they believe about Jesus. And we're going to read about this advice that Peter gives to them to learn and how it applies to our life and how we should be living our life right now. And I know that, you know, we're under a lot of stress in our lives. Sometimes that stress is self-inflicted, right? It's like the stress of, you know, I didn't do my homework and I'm in passing and it's due next class, so I've got to get it done right now, so I'm doing it, right? That's self-inflicted stress, but I don't think that we experience stress like this church did, right? Like, I don't think that you are going to be tortured and killed for your beliefs, okay? So that's not the kind of stress that we're dealing with. That's not exactly how we experience it, but, but yet, in this moment of stress, Peter encourages this church to grow out of spiritual infancy into godly maturity. So Peter encourages this church to grow out of spiritual infancy into godly maturity. And I can't imagine being this church, but I, I imagine getting a letter during a stressful time in my life and kind of being told that I need to grow up doesn't really feel good, right? Like anybody have a mom or dad that like something's going on in your life and they're just like, suck it up, right? Anybody have that? Um, that was like my mom's catchphrase, just like suck it up, uh, get over it. Now that's not what Peter's saying, right? He's not telling this church they need to suck it up. He's telling them they need to grow up, right? He's telling them, hey, there's things that you need to leave behind, immature habits that you have that need to be left behind for you to mature in Christ. And in fact, Jesus says this, to people. These are the words of Jesus. This is what he says to people who are suffering and facing persecution. He says this, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. Now listen, he says, be happy about it. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets who were persecuted in this same way. So this church, these people, Jesus says that they should be celebrating, rejoicing the trial that they're going through for his name. And Peter, in light of that, gives them this advice. So let's start in verse 1 of chapter 2. Let's see exactly what Peter says. And our first point for tonight is stop eating dirt. So again, reminder, if you, I said it and you thought about it and you were like thinking about going to the beach to grab a snack, don't do that. Stop eating dirt. So point number one, stop eating dirt. But let's read verse one. It says this. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. So we've talked about, you know, how one in three or three in ten, one, one in ten, three in ten toddlers eat dirt, right? Now we're going to talk about 
some behaviors that we have. We're going to talk about the dirt that you and I eat. We're going to talk about what we need to leave behind. So Peter, right off the bat, he lists four things that we need to get rid of. He says, get rid of deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. So we're going to dive into each of these words, and we're going to figure out exactly what Peter is telling us we need to leave behind. We're going to figure out exactly how we need to mature. So the first thing that Peter tells us to get rid of is deceit. And the word here in the Greek means craftiness or trickery. And I know I said Greek, so if your brain just shut off, stay with me. So in the Greek, this word also means craftiness or trickery. So deceit is like cheating on your tests, right? Deceit is lying to your parents. Or deceit is, you know, having your friends send you the homework answers. Deceit is shutting off your location so your parents can't see where you're going. Deceit is deleting photos and texts on your phone or logging into an alternate account on your phone so that you can do things and look at things. That's what deceit is. And another definition put it this way. To lure in people suffering from, listen, emotional pain. So to deceive somebody is to lure somebody who's suffering, right? In our culture, we call this gaslighting, right? Like, don't gaslight me. Don't tell me that I said something I didn't say, right? But that's what this is. This is the idea of manipulation. So Peter tells us right away to drop craftiness, trickery, manipulation, lies. Now, we want to have real relationship, right? Like, I say relationship, maybe boyfriend, girlfriend pops into your head. That's great, but I'm also talking about mom and dad. I'm also talking about brother, sister. I'm also talking about friend. So if we want to have real relationship, if we want to mature, we need to drop deceit, right? Lies are relationship killers. And I don't even think I need to tell you that. I think you know that, right? I think you've experienced that. You've been around long enough to know that when there's a bunch of lies between you and your friend, things aren't going to end well, right? We've all experienced that. We've all been lied to. So Peter tells us to drop the lies, to drop the manipulation, right? Now, the next thing that Peter tells us we need to leave behind on our journey of maturity is hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is, it comes from a Greek word that literally described an actor on a stage, on a play, pretending to be more than one person. So a hypocrite, playing the hypocrite was the expression. A hypocrite is somebody who had different masks that they would use, right? And they'd have one mask that was one person, and then they'd have another mask that was another person, right? So that's this idea of being a hypocrite. It's being somebody you're not or pretending to be something that you're not. Have you ever, like, been with a friend for a really long time? You know them. You've only hung out with them at school, and then they invite you home for the first time. And you see how they act around their parents, and you're like, who is this guy? This is a brand new guy I just met just now, right? Or maybe, maybe. You're one person at school, right? You're one person with a certain group of friends, but then you show up to youth maybe one night, and now you're a different person. That's this idea of hypocrisy. And if deceit kills relationships, hypocrisy kills relationships. Pretending to be somebody you're not kills relationships. So you want to have real relationship with people? You want to have real relationship with your friends, your family? You want to mature spiritually into the person God has called you to be? You first need to leave behind deceit, hypocrisy. And the third thing that Peter says is jealousy. This this one hit me, I'll be honest. Um, This one made me feel pretty convicted. I was reading this. Maybe you're feeling convicted right now. Don't feel guilty about that. Don't hide that. It's okay. 
We're all human beings. Nobody in this room is perfect. Nobody has all of the answers. That's why we follow Jesus, amen? So we're here following his example, not my example, not anyone else's example. We're following him. So we struggle with these things. It's okay. But jealousy is one that I think is just so casually okay in our culture, right? Jealousy is one that just kind of slips through the cracks. Jealousy can also be defined as being glad when somebody experiences pain or being displeased with somebody else's success. So being happy when that person you don't like suffers and then being excited or energized or being displeased, sorry, by somebody else's pain. So when someone is suffering, struggling, you're happy about it. So it's being happy when somebody else is suffering and being displeased, being bothered, being annoyed when they're succeeding. Jealousy says, you shouldn't have that, that's mine. I deserve that. Jealousy says, oh, they only have that because their parents are well off and I should have that. They don't deserve that. They don't even care about it. Jealousy is, he didn't deserve to get on the team. I did. I had the skills, right? Jealousy is just casually okay. It slips in really easily into our relationships. And this is something interesting I found. More than half of the time that jealousy is listed in the scripture, in the word, it's listed alongside another word, strife. So you often find jealousy and strife together in scripture. And I think that's true. I think that's a good picture of our relationships. Because where we are jealous of somebody, where we covet what somebody else's have, when we desire what they have, we're going to have conflict with that person. It plants a seed of bitterness inside of us, right? Like if you've ever, you've ever seen somebody succeed really well, it's kind of hard to cheer them on, right? It plants the seed of bitterness inside of us. And where once was a beautiful friendship, there's now strife, conflict, suffering. So on our journey to find real relationship, on our journey to grow and mature in Christ, we need to leave behind deceit. We need to leave behind hypocrisy, jealousy, and then finally, the fourth thing that Peter tells us we need to leave behind is unkind speech. And I'm going to pause for a second on this one um, because I'm not that much older than you, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not that far, much further along. And I grew up in high school when technology was getting huge and Instagram had just come out and everybody was getting on Instagram. Um, unkind speech isn't just your verbal speech. It's the way that you treat or talk about other people when they're not around. It's gossip. It's what you say when you're online in a chat. It's what you talk about when nobody is around. It's what you say about somebody behind their back. Man, nothing kills relationship like gossip, right? And, and again, like I said, you know this. I'm sure you've been gossiped about before. Unfortunately, I bet that there was a time you walked into a room and it just got quiet. And you kind of realized like, okay, I think, I think they were talking about me. Or you had a good friendship with somebody and then you realize that they were telling one of your other friends something that you did that you didn't do, right? Like I can go on and on and on with examples of what this is like for us. But it's something that we as believers, right, as followers of Christ, it's something that has to stay behind us. So you just went to go salt. You had an encounter with the Lord. You gave your life to Jesus maybe for the first time. And then you show up this week and you're like, who's this random guy? I want a Pastor Nate to preach. What's going on? Where am I? He's too short. He, he says it's too humid here. I don't like this guy. Anyways, besides that. So you show up here after Go Salt, after a week of encountering God's presence. 
and you're kind of wondering what's next. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do from here? Well, this church that Peter's writing to, they're asking that same question. Hey, Peter, what's next, man? They're starting to kill our friends. What am I supposed to do now? And Peter's response is, grow up. And, and I want to be clear here. Peter isn't calling us out or, or the church out in an unkind way. He's calling us up, right? Peter is calling this church up into who Christ has saved them to be. So don't go back and live in the old life that you used to have before Go Salt, before you met the Lord. Maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was two, three, four. Don't go back into that old way of living life. Step into the new way of living life. So Peter, and I, especially me, I'm not, I'm not trying to look down on you. I struggle with these things too. Anybody who says that they're perfect in following these things is probably lying to you. They're probably being deceitful. So we struggle with this too, and there's hope for us in who Christ saved us to be, amen? There's hope for us in that future Christ gave us. So to summarize, this is pretty much all these four things I've listed. It's pretty much the experience of going to school. It's pretty much the experience of being in the world, right? I, I remember it. I remember what it was like. And I want to be clear. It's not supposed to be uncommon in the world, right? We're, we're, we're actually told to expect these things in the world. Jesus said, they'll hate you because they hated me. So you're going you're gonna to go through these things. Maybe you haven't experienced them yet. Maybe you're like, dude, I just, I'm going to sixth grade next year. I don't even know what you're talking about. Ask your leader later in, in, in small group time and you'll, they'll explain some things to you. But also, this is for you too. Because Peter's preparing these people maybe for something they're about to walk into. And Jesus tells us to expect that treatment from the world. But where is it supposed to be uncommon? Where are these behaviors supposed to be uncommon? They're supposed to be uncommon in us, in the church. They're supposed to be uncommon here. And I just want to say this. I'm sorry if you've experienced deceit, gossip, hypocrisy from somebody in the church. You know, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. So don't look at somebody else and expect them to be perfect. So I'm sorry if maybe, you know, somebody you went to youth with bullied you. I'm sorry for that. My heart hurts for that. But that's not who Jesus is. That's not the way that Jesus treats you or looks at you. And that's not even the call that Peter gives to us as believers. See, these behaviors, they're not supposed to be in the church. They're supposed to be uncommon, uncommon. Deceit, hypocrisy, gossip, these are like all the ingredients for like a really crappy Netflix drama, right? Like all those period like shows, like all the British ones. You know the ones I'm talking about, all the British ones. And it's like the whole plot of the show is like she's going to lie to her and then she's going to say that she didn't lie to her about something and then she's going to pretend that she's not somebody with somebody else, and then that's the show, right? And it's like 17 seasons of that. And I'm like, come on, how did you get funding for that, right? So these behaviors, they're common in the world. We see them all the time. But they're not supposed to be common in us. Earlier in chapter 1, Peter says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. Now you must be, listen, holy. So you didn't know any better then, but now you do. You went to go salt. You were graced by the presence of God. Jesus saved you. You're alive in Christ. So now don't go back to that old way of living. And I, I, I also want to say something about the tongue. Because I think as Christians, 
as followers of Christ, this is one where we can get a little bit loose. We can get steered in the wrong direction. So this is what the Bible says about how you're supposed to speak about others. James 3 says, a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So be careful what you say. Be careful with your tongue, because it can start a fire. It can burn down friendships, relationships, other people. Be careful with your tongue. The power of life and death are in it. And at the same time, that's an encouragement. Use your words to lift other people up. We all know somebody in our life who's encouraging. How much does that person mean to you? Doesn't, doesn't hearing a good word from somebody who loves you, isn't that just like one of the best feelings? It's a reminder. So use your tongue to give life, not death. So as we move on, right, we call ourselves Christians, so we want to not practice these things. We want to grow up, grow out of these things, out of spiritual infancy into godly maturity. So as we grow, Peter calls this church to step above the world that they're in. Hey, you're not of this world. You're of a different world. You've been raised to life in Christ, so now live like it. So clearly, we're to get rid of these things, right? I just talked for a while about how bad these four things are. Clearly, we're supposed to get rid of them, but isn't that like a lot easier said than done? Isn't it a lot easier for me to stand up here, a guy you've probably never met before, on a stage and tell you like, hey, get rid of these things. Hey, you're not supposed to do these things. It's a lot easier to just say it than do it, right? We can be honest. It's really easy. Like, I even think as I'm reading this, like, Peter, you just said get rid of, (laughs) and that's it. (laughs) Like, you said get rid of all these behaviors. That sounds really simple, Peter. Like, how am I actually supposed to do it? Because it's a lot easier to say it than it is to do it. Well, let's read verses 2 and 3. Let's see what he says. He says this, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So our second point for tonight is start drinking milk. So we had stop eating dirt. Now start drinking milk. Um, and, and, and maybe you were listening, and maybe you weren't listening. Maybe you were scrolling. That's fine. Whatever. Jesus loves you. I love you. But maybe you weren't listening. Maybe you were scrolling, and then you, your ears like tuned into like pure spiritual milk, and you're like, what? Like, what is this guy saying? How do we get some milk? I was feeling convicted for like the first 10 minutes. Me too. And then we got to milk. Like, how, are we, how do we get to milk? Um, well, I, I want to explain that, but I've got a little video. Do we have the video? I've got a little video I want to show you, and I want to explain. Oops. Okay, so you just saw a little clip of this like adorable baby. Um, my best friend, his name is Santi. That's his baby. She's like, well, how old is she? Like eight months? Six months, okay, so she's really little. She's like six months old, and she is, her name is Florence. She is obsessed with cold cups. Like, she, like, when a cup is cold, she, like, loses her mind. Um, And she will, like, stretch as hard as she can to get it. Like, you saw her in that video just for a little bit. She's, like, reaching out. Her eyes are, like, laser focused. Her tongue is out. She's, like, trying to get, she, when she sees a cold cup, she loses her mind. And she's freakishly strong. Like, as babies go, like, I was holding a cup, and she pulled it out of my hand. And I was like, I'm a 23-year-old man. How dare you? 
you know? But she, she's strong. So when she sees that cup, she wants it. So maybe you tuned in and you're like, why are we talking about babies? I thought you told me I was supposed to mature. And then you played a video of a baby. Where are we going? I'm supposed to drink pure spiritual milk. What the heck does that even mean? It's okay to admit that that sounds a little weird. Like I imagine when Peter wrote that, you know, you must crave pure spiritual milk, that his scribe was like, you must crave, what? What? You're like, you want to put that in the final draft, Peter? <laughs> like, you sure about I can change it right now. I can start over. Peter was like, nope, pure spiritual milk. Keep it in there. So maybe you're wondering what that is. Well, Peter is, t- is saying that these new believers in this church, they're like babies. He's saying, you're so young. You're so new in the faith. You're like a baby. And in order to grow, babies need milk. I don't know if you've tried to feed a baby something other than milk. Um, probably their mom got really mad at you for trying to do that. Um, but babies literally cannot process the food that you and I can eat. Like, like um, my wife is obsessed with Zaxby's, and we don't have it back in Albuquerque, and she talks about it all the time. Um, personally, Zaxby's is mid for me. Um, I put Chick-fil-A on top ten times. Out of, you can, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can clap. You can clap for that. Chick-fil-A is on top for me. Zaxby's, unfortunately, mid. I tried it, y'all. Don't get it. I don't want, I don't want one back in, in Albuquerque. I'm not, I'm, I don't feel like I'm missing out. Um, but if you try to feed a baby Zaxby's, they're not going to want it because it's mid. But they're also not going to be able to process it because they don't have teeth. right? Their stomach can't process that. They can't take in those nutrients. They have to start with what? Milk. They have to start with milk. You, who said Gerber? Somebody say Gerber. I don't know, whatever you said. Anyways, they have to start with milk. Okay, so they have to literally start with liquids. They can't even digest solids. So when Peter says that this church needs to crave pure spiritual milk, he's saying, hey, you got to start at the beginning. You can't start trying to process all this deep doctrine right now. You can't start digging into the meat and the vegetables and the solids. you got to start with just the milk, just the basics, just the beginning. So why spiritual milk? What does that even mean? Like, hey, Caden, you told me I need to stop eating dirt and start drinking milk. Like, what is the milk actually? Well, the spiritual milk he's talking about is the word. It's this. This is what he's talking about. He said, hey, if you want to grow and mature, if you want to grow out of, God, out of spiritual infancy into godly maturity, you've got to start with this. You've got to start with the word. And I know it's another pastor, some guy from wherever the heck New Mexico is, telling you that you need to read your Bible. And, and, and I, I don't want to just be another voice adding to that and just saying, hey, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. But did you know that there's a reason that we say that? There's a reason that your leaders, that your pastors are encouraging you to go to here. This is the pure spiritual milk. This is where it begins. And, and I just think we need to stop for a second and accept that God chose, listen, he chose to communicate through a book. And he knew TikTok was an option, right? Like God knew in the fullness of time TikTok was going to be around. You ever ask the question, why didn't God use TikTok? Maybe you're staying up late at night and you ate too many cookies. I don't know. He chose to use this. This was his medium of choice. So stop waiting for him to say it in a different way. He already said it here. He put it right here. And you're waiting. You're looking for something for another pastor to digest it for you when it's literally right here. Did you know that the most valuable decision that you can make every day is to just wake up and choose God and just open his word? You know, come to youth. Youth is great. You're going to find community. You're going to find belonging. You're going to find purpose. You're going to find an opportunity to grow in your calling. 
And you're going to get deeper instruction. But if you just woke up every day and chose to pursue the pure milk, if you just chose to pursue God here, that's the most impactful decision you can make. See, that's how it was intended. That's what this is meant for. And, and let's be honest, if God, you know, somehow in the hypothetical situation, God got an Instagram account, started dropping like weekly Monday focuses and was like, yo, stop this. We'd scroll past it. We'd be like, I'm looking for something else. And maybe you're thinking right now, no, Kate, and I wouldn't scroll past it. If God, if God only spoke on Instagram, I'd listen to it. Well, he spoke here and you're not opening it. So I think we should just accept, and this is, this is hard for me too. I think we should just accept that this is how he chose to communicate. And maybe God wants you to wake up and read a book. Maybe he wants you to read words out of a page. Maybe he wants you to set aside the distraction, right? Again, if God's on Instagram, you get a text notification from that cute girl you were talking to at youth. You're going to click on that notification and God's going to be out of the picture. So maybe he intended you to set down the other distractions and just read this and just focus on this. So the pure spiritual milk is this. It's the word. And as believers who want to mature, as we want to grow in Christ, this is where we need to go. This is our source. So you need to crave Jesus. You need to crave that community, that time with God. Like Florence the baby's reaching out for that cup. Right? Like tongue out, like concentrating, eyes locked on it. That's how we need to desire our time with Jesus. Like a baby desires milk. We need to desire our time with God. See, it's not just even reading the Bible, but it's who it's about. This whole book is about Jesus, his character, who he was, how he walked, the things he did, the people he surrounded himself with. This, is, this whole book is about him. So when you open a page and you're like, what does that even mean? It's about him. It leads to him, prophesies of him, points to him. So open this book. Just read here. Just start here. Start with this pure spiritual milk. Time with God, with God grows you into the person that you're supposed to be. It grows you the way that you're supposed to grow. It's healthy growth. It's mature growth. Jesus, in John 15, says this, Remain in me, and I in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from a vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. Listen, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. There's no comma after that. It's like you can do nothing and some really cool things also. No, it says nothing. This is apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. He's, he's the vine, we're the branches. So you're supposed to be attached, connected to him because apart from him, there will be no fruit. If you're looking at your life right now, your relationships and the people around you and there's no fruit and you're wondering why, where is Jesus in your life? Are you connected to him? Are you rooted in him? Are you growing the way that he wants you and desires you to grow? With him comes fruit. Without him comes nothing. Our relationships, our friendships, 
and lives are only fruitful if we abide in him, remain. He says, remain in me. They're only fruitful if we remain in him. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I think that you just need to hear this. God has a plan for your life. He didn't just save you at Go Salt or two years ago or three years ago. He didn't just save you so that you could be done and just go on living life. Just go back to the way things were. No. He saved you because he has a plan for your life. Because he has a purpose for you now. Right? So you didn't get saved and then just sit down and do nothing and God's okay with that. Right? No, God saved you so that you could do good works which he's prepared ahead of you. Ephesians 2.10 says, we've been saved for good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Because if all you needed to do was be saved, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. We'd be saved and then God would be like, whoop, you're done. Gotcha. Now you're mine. But no, he, there's a reason that you're still here. There's a reason you're still here. And it's not just to grow and mature, yes, but it's because there are people around you that need to hear what you have to say. There are people around you that need to hear your story, that need to hear that before you walked in darkness, but now you walk in light. There are people who need to hear that, hey, the only way that there was fruit in my life was because of Jesus. And I know I say that, and there's a friend or somebody who pops into your mind, you're like, that person is lost. They're struggling. But I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. I don't know, man, I, well, like, what am I supposed to do about that? I, I'm, I'm just a high schooler. I'm just a middle schooler. How am I going to, like, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. Hey, you don't need to be a pastor or a preacher to share God's word. Did you know that? That's just the title that God gives for a calling that he has on a specific person. But he calls all of us to be the church. Don't get, it, don't get it confused. The church isn't this really cool building, which is beautiful, by the way. The church isn't just this really cool building. The church is you and me. The church is all of us. So God's plan for you goes beyond just being saved and going back to the way life was. Because you've experienced his kindness. You need to share it with others. We'll close with these last two verses. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Listen, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Maybe you experienced God's kindness at Go Salt. And the band can come back up now. But maybe that's where you experienced God's kindness for the first time. And you were just waiting, 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 and, and Go Salt was it for you. Like, man, God is so good. God is so kind to me. But there's some people in my life that I've heard before. There's some friends that I've said horrible things about. Or maybe this is your experience. There's some people who have said horrible things about me. Caden, it's easy for, for Peter to say that I need to get rid of these things, but he's not at my school. You're not at my school. You haven't seen what it's like for me. You haven't heard what people are saying about me. You don't know what group chats my name is being tossed around in. Maybe God saved you so that you could minister to those people specifically. Maybe that was his plan and his purpose and his wisdom for your life that you would be the one to minister to the people who are hurting you. Remember, Peter tells this to a church that's under the threat of death. Hey, drop these things. Get rid of these things. Show others the kindness of God because you've experienced it. 
And I imagine being in that church, I'm like, but Peter, the other people here are the ones that are trying to kill me. And you want me to show kindness to them? Those are the words of Jesus. Love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. 